Hey folks, SA20 coming to you live, nerding out with a good old buddy of mine uh, back in the day, uh, uh, Jeremy Duty. We speak, we talk about 40 minutes of wrestling. Uh, yes, nerding out. Uh, I was a fanboy back in the day with uh, WWE in the 90s, and he is well versed. And he's a he's a fanboy or, or nerd like I am when it comes to uh, old school 2002 uh, pre wrestling. Uh, and we then we get into the very end talking a little bit of uh, Hall of Fame baseball and sports. So this is just uh, strictly sports, strictly wrestling, uh, strictly all that other fun stuff. So enjoy the podcast. Hey Jeremy, man, what's up? Uh, first off, thanks for doing this. And I watched the Elimination Chamber on AFN over here in Germany. And thought of no sure. better, no better person to comment on this, just wrestling in general, than you, kind sir. So. Well, I'm glad that I never grew up past the age of 12 and still partake in my uh, WWE how, excursion. So glad to help. Hey man, how big is WWE? Like, you still watch? Do you watch every single pay per view or every single whatever or what? Uh, no, it's so the the products. The quality of the products really died off since um, uh, WCW uh, became a non-factor in 2001 when Vince McMahon uh, bought all the property for WCW and the company tanked. And there really wasn't any competition after that. ECW was gone. Uh, WWE absorbed all the contracts from WCW. So WWE was really the only player post-2002 onward with no competition and you could really tell by the product uh, that they were putting into the ring. They just they, they weren't developing the star power that they were developing during the, which you, you'll probably recall the Attitude Era, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, that's when I stopped watching. I stopped watching in 2000, 2001, 2002. Basically, when Stone Cold kind of stopped being as prominent as he was, uh, I think he I think he shut it down in like '99 or or 2000 or whatever, but uh, like I said, the reason why I called or thought of your name, and I was I was going to try to ask you to be on the podcast anyways, but I didn't think uh, the direction this one would head would be like a themed one where we focus on one topic or whatever the case is, but the reason why I thought like I was, I was going to try to talk to you weeks from now or, or later or whatever, but I, like, I saw a match that I sat down and for the first time in a decade, I was actually like interested in the match. Like I actually sat down and I, I, put, I put it on in the background wasn't paying attention, and then the main event for the Elimination Chamber Chamber actually caught my attention. So you watched that match too, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, so who yeah, the, it, can you help me out? Who the hell is Samoa Joe? Who the hell is AJ Styles? I I thought Matt Matt Hardy <laughs> died in a fucking cocaine accident uh, six years ago. <laughs> so uh, uh, so yeah, so Samoa Joe and uh, AJ Styles were uh, Indies darlings, is what the wrestling community likes to call them. So they were unsigned guys that uh, were wrestling over in Japan, so New Japan Wrestling, uh, for, for years, and they were big stars over there. Um, Samoa Joe was actually wrestling for TNA, which gave WWE a little bit of competition uh, probably about 10 years back. They had big names like Sting, Ric Flair, all these guys came over. Of course, all these guys were pushing 60, so not a whole lot of up-and-comers, but... These are guys that are well-known, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, well-known around the world uh, before they even came into WWE. Um, but it, it's one of the things that I guess kind of bothered me during the match yesterday was how quickly they eliminated Samoa Joe. Yeah, he was and the first. He, to be a theme. He was the first right. guy to go. So he, 
he he did, he did his. Uh, I guess he was the guy that was supposed to soften up Daniel Bryan and make sure that he was uh, like it looked like yeah. it was tough for him or whatever. But they, yeah, they got rid of him pretty quick. I think he he might have wrestled for seven eight minutes right in the match. Uh, that if that yeah, it's that seems to be the theme. Like the uh, Vince McMahon, there's a ongoing thing in the wrestling community that Vince McMahon uh, is approach to the wrestling business is still stuck in you know the 1990s and he'll bring these big names over uh just to have the star power to keep them from other up-and-coming promotions and then do nothing with their names or nothing with their characters as far as development's concerned so I, um i really lauded him for the the dramatic angle that he set up but i think they missed an opportunity so uh but yeah i, I know what you're saying when they brought wcd when they brought uh NWO over, they completely misused all those characters. Uh, oh, absolutely. St- Sting. Uh, I don't know if when Bret Hart left and came back. Uh, we can talk about him later. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I I applauded Vince for the the setup where he where he got me a casual guy that used to watch 15 years ago and sitting down on a couch, and he told a good story. And then the the other guys were Matt Hardy, Kofi Kingston, and I think Daniel Bryan. Daniel, yep, new Daniel Bryan. Yeah, new Daniel. Yeah, Bryan. that 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 was a that was a five star match. I mean, the once it came down to Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan, it almost brought me back to two thousand nine when Kofi Kingston, surprisingly enough, had a Jamaican accent at the time. Okay, and it seemed to have eroded over the years. So uh, interesting with the character development, but uh, there was a big push for him back in two thousand nine uh, to be in the championship picture. But it kind of goes to a bigger theme that we've seen with Vince McMahon, with WWE over the years, there has not been one black WWE champion in the history of the company. No, so I looked that up, and that's that's the angle they played. Uh, Randy Orton was the other player in the in the sixth uh, in the sixth thing, and that's like that's another reason why I specifically wanted to talk to you is because that was the thought yep. that was going through my head when they went through the last when it was so they that was the that was the twist they threw in because when Randy Orton came out six, they were like, okay, it's going to be because I think there was either five or four. I didn't even see Matt Hardy's elimination. I missed that completely. How did he get eliminated? I missed that one as well. Yeah. yeah. After I saw the Samoa Joe elimination, went to go take a shower, came back, and it was down to two. Yeah. So okay. So I'll walk you through. I missed. Uh, I missed Matt Hardy's elimination. I don't know when he got eliminated, but when Orton came out, there were still it was either four or or five wrestlers. And so they're playing up the normal, like, okay, Orton's going to eliminate everybody, and then Daniel Bryan's going to come back right. and beat everybody. You knew, starting the match, you could just predict that it was going to be Daniel Bryan versus whoever. Uh, but the nice little twist that they threw in was uh, Kingston eliminated Orton with his little spin kick, whatever the hell he does, and it was Kingston versus Bryan. And then... No, it's all one paradise, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the It's the obvious, like, okay, white versus black. Okay, good. brilliant. It's the fucking brilliant that Vince McMahon brought that up with all the stupid shit in the media and all the stuff that's going on and all the race relations and how everything's heightened and everything. And I was like, okay, when was there a black WWE superstar? I don't remember there being a like all the way back to junkyard dog in the fucking eighties. I, I never remember there being a black champion, like uh, a champion, like uh, who was the, I forget the other, uh, the other guy, uh, Ahmad Johnson. That's who it was. 
Uh, oh, right. Yeah. So These I, were I, guys that were deserving as well. Oh, of course. Uh, but I think uh, I think it was a drug issue for a junkyard dog that uh, they couldn't hand in the company. And I was like, that, that's when I saw Matt Hardy. I was like, there's no way they're going to give him the belt. So he's gone. I don't even know who AJ Styles right. is. They eliminated fucking him. What did Randy Orton do? To piss fucking Vince McMahon off to where he's just kind of a guy that just ladders people up now. Because every time I've saw him in passing, he just, that's all he does is elevate other people to do whatever. What did yeah. he do? So, he's got a reputation as being a diva uh, backstage. Always has. Always been one of those types. Uh, funny backstory on him. He was actually uh, given a bad conduct discharge. It was bad conduct or other than honorable. I guess there is a big difference, but uh, discharge from the Marines years ago, young Randy Orton. So <laughs> that kind of sets the that kind of sets the theme for uh, his personality and character. But no, I, I think he's just at a point of his career now, kind of like John Cena, where uh, you know these guys are older, they're established, and that that's one of the things in wrestling is uh, when, when you're when, when the light is starting to shine down on you, uh, you, you know you bring that light to the up and coming talent, right? You put them over. And that's all. It's always been that way in the business. Uh, the guys that are on their way out or they're at the later part of their career, you put over the new guys uh, that connect with the crowd, uh, let them make a name for themselves, and then it's just a cycle that goes on. But, but it seems like he's been doing that for a decade. Like, when has he been the guy? He's always been a guy that's hovered around mid-carter to main eventer. It, it goes back and forth. Uh, I know they had him last year. Uh, I think he was main eventing with Brock Lesnar, uh, when Lesnar actually busted him open pretty good, uh, that, that went off script. And that's the other thing with the, those two in particular is they, they tend to go off script, uh, or kind of go impromptu in the ring. I don't know how much of that plays into it. I mean, Vince likes his stereotypical muffled, uh, wrestlers to be the faces, you know, to be the face of his company. Randy Orton, I don't know. He's just a guy that's always hovered around that, you know, you could see him being a mid-carder intercontinental champion type. You know, some months you could see him competing for the WWE championship. But yeah. either way, I think he was a filler in this match for sure. Just, you know, the same way uh, Jeff Hardy was. Or was it? Yeah, it was Jeff that was in there. Yeah, right? yeah it was Hardy. Yep. You know, uh, yeah. Styles, I, yeah, you knew, you knew Styles wasn't going to make it. You knew Hardy wasn't going to do it. Uh, you probably knew Jim, Samoa Joe wasn't going to do it. So you kind of thought... Uh, when I saw Kingston, when I saw Kingston walk in and he was the third guy to come into the match, I was like, ah, oh, they'll get rid of him too earlier. But then that was the great twist is that he, he eliminates Orton and then it's uh, basically Brian versus Kingston and it's black versus white. And they're like, oh man, maybe they're going to give this guy a chance. Maybe they're actually, and that, and that same thought goes, went through my head too. There's never been a black WWE champion. But then I looked it up. Right. Then I looked it up. So in uh, so they cite three people that have been black WWE champions. So Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which I laughed at because right, yeah, yeah that, that I mean technically, yeah, sure, Te yeah, yeah. It, well, so they got you on a technicality, but that still right. blabers the point that they haven't had like a like the two guys that I saw, Kofi Kingston. Yeah, I mean he, he could have carried the belt till what WrestleMania is in what September or August or what is uh, it? April coming oh. up. Yeah, we're, we're coming up on the season. Yep. Yeah, so he, in the season, actually. Yeah, he definitely could have carried the belt for whoever was going to be there and then had a big main event with either Daniel Bryan or whoever their guy would have been to take it back over and then set something up for SummerSlam or do whatever. So he could have held the belt for two months. I think that would right. have been, been good for the sport. Um, 
But then uh, the other two guys they cite is when Raw and SmackDown uh, separated or split up, and then Booker T and uh, Mark Henry were the two that they, when Raw and SmackDown right. split up. But then, so yes, they got you there, but I don't remember there's been, like, the guy was a black guy in wrestling. No. Yeah, and that, that belt, the, so that was the world championship yep. that they brought over from WCW. Yep. And then they, they used it to split off, as you said. So we still never had an actual WWE, like we trace the lineage back to the actual WWE championship, WWE title. There hasn't been a black champion in that regard. And you can even see it with the character development uh, that, that Vince McMahon, you know, the way he portrays African-American wrestlers. They're usually a, uh, they have some kind of dancing character or some kind of funny uh, character that's just not taken seriously. Uh, hence, the New Day, right? Kofi Kingston, their characters throwing pancakes into the crowd uh, for a reaction. Um, Mark Henry, when they converted his character to sexual chocolate. Yeah. Uh, the Godfather, you know, bringing 50, 60 hoes to the ring. The, the list goes on and on with these African-American wrestlers where their characters are very stereotypical black men. Yeah, uh, Farouk and the Nation of Domination is another one that comes to mind. Uh, junkyard dog right. uh, Bobby Lashley is the only one that's kind of different so why is he not higher up uh, why he's always been he would he would he seems like somebody that would have been put up like like they could have done Goldberg with him like an ish type right. whatever because he's just a, a monster but why is he why is he mid-leveling and hit why is why was he as one of three wrestlers when they were beating up the big uh, Braun Strowman guy like why is he not more elevated so with him it's charisma I mean, he's always had great, you know, the great look, right? He's got the look of a champion. He's, you know, gigantic guy, um, has that look that Vince McMahon likes, but he has no charisma. He's not very good on the microphone. Uh, he's not convincing on the microphone. He's not a very good actor. Uh, so the vignettes that they do backstage, he, he, he's one of those that he's going to need a mouthpiece, kind of like a Brock Lesnar. You know, Brock is terrible on the microphone. Uh, his promos are horrible. But he has Paul Heyman, who's his mouthpiece. And that relationship works. Uh, Bobby Lashley is one of those that is going to need that as well because, he, you know, we're, we're going 10, 15 years of Bobby Lashley now, and his acting skills and his um, microphone personality has not grown. It, it hasn't changed at all. So, why, why haven't they gotten him a microphone guy then? That's a good question. I mean, they did it with Ronda Rousey. If you. If you were watching in the last year from when Ronda started nope. uh, around last WrestleMania, <laughs> well, yeah, well, I tell you what, I, I give it to her because she made some strides. Uh, her her acting and her uh, on the mic was just, the skills were terrible. Yeah, atrocious. Uh, those first couple months, but fast forward to now, uh, it's night and day. You know, she's actually convincing on the microphone. You can tell that she's actually put in the work. Uh, backstage with, with folks that are going on the microphone and, and has improved tremendously. Yeah. Guys like Bobby Lashley, I, I I can't, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, apparently uh, Cyborg's coming to the, uh, to the WWE apparently. So the Cyborg, uh, the so one that just division, got beat up. I would hope. Huh? Oh, it, it's a, it's a shame China isn't still alive. That would have been a match I'd pay to see. She passed away? She did. Yes, yeah, she passed away a few years ago. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, apparently DX is getting admitted to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I saw that just yep. fortuitously. Yeah, 
So I, I, I don't know if my phone is like fucking tracking me or whatever when I was thinking about wrestling or heard it in the background, but then all of a sudden I saw these like <laughs> wrestling articles uh, pop up on my phone and DX is apparently getting uh, admitted to the Hall of Fame. So uh, who is your favorite wrestler yeah. all time? Ooh, all time? Uh, you know, I've, I've always stuck with HBK, Shawn Michaels. Really? And, he, he's controversial yeah. as hell. He is. Yeah, they, especially that whole uh, Madison Square Garden incident they had. Uh, Mon- uh, Montreal Screwjob. They've done, they've done tons oh, and tons yeah, of... Oh, yeah, uh, Yeah. Yeah, but I, he just had the personality, the charisma, uh, absolutely amazing in the ring. And he, he could play either side. He was a good heel, and he was also a good face, and, you know, convincing as well. Yeah. Uh, well, growing up, it was The Undertaker, and then later on, it obviously, I think uh, everybody, uh, it was Undertaker, Stone Cold, and then at the very end of The Rock, uh, it was The Rock. So those are... Right. Yeah, so, but favorite all time is probably Stone Cold. Uh, I remember his uh, 96 King of the Ring is the, the one that, that statement stuck with me forever when he beat up uh, Jake the Snake. Jake and, the Snake, yeah. Yep. And then he had his uh, 316 uh, slogan brand, whatever, that uh, propelled him for, what, five years to be the champion or the or the top guy. Uh, oh, maybe, what was it, after he did King of the Ring, he went up and did the... Blood from a Stone match with Bret Hart, which is by far my favorite uh, uh, wrestling match. So, do you do you know that match? Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! Oh, it's fantastic. So, I guess the, the blood in that match wasn't even planned. Yeah, correct. Oh, but it was just it was just great. Like twenty minutes of like, damn, these guys are getting after it, and then it just dramatic back and forth. Uh, I didn't realize. Oh, yeah. Like I remember the end of it, like the last two minutes of the match how awesome it was, but then I, I didn't know how technical it was at the very beginning where these guys were just throwing around and kicking the shit out of each other at the beginning. Yeah, those two, it, very convincing. Uh, I mean, I remember watching those as a kid thinking these guys absolutely hate each other. Yep. And even knowing now that it's scripted going back, you know, as an adult, I, you, you can't help but wonder, did these guys really hate each other because they made it look so believable in the ring? Yeah, because uh, Austin was up and coming, but Bret Hart just would not give it up. Like, he just, he wanted to dictate he when he was going to yeah. drop the belt and do this, that, and the other. So, so uh, Yeah, then he got that huge offer from WCW, and the rest was history on that one. Yeah, because he he had that offer, and then he was like, uh, he was supposed to give up the belt in Canada, and he didn't want to do that. And so Vince got right. scared that he was going to do something weird like defame the belt, because that ultimately is... Well, so Vince was, I guess, justified in his uh, fear because that's ultimately what destroyed the WCW, right? I, at least that was a theory uh, on uh, what was said. Is that when they, the belt. Yeah, when, yeah. They, when they gave the championship belt to, who was it, Will Arnett, the actor? David Arquette. Ar- David, David Arquette. David Arquette. Yeah, when they gave yeah. it to him, they just like, their company went to shit because they the title didn't mean anything. Or, or was it when, oh, um, when Hogan, uh, when somebody dropped the belt to Hogan, when that little fake thing? Oh, it was... Kevin Kevin Nash, the finger poke of death. Yeah, that's what they call it. So, what what, yeah. what what do you think killed WCW? It was so multifaceted. They had the the momentum momentum they had when they created the NWO. You know, I think it was '96 when Hogan uh, joined Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, and they didn't even mean to use the term end or the the purpose of the group wasn't for them to be called NWO. 
uh, that speech that he gave there after he turned on the Macho Man, he referred to the group as that this was the New World Order of Wrestling, and then the name just took off from there. Yes. But the problem going forward was WCW was poaching wrestlers from the WWF at the time and guaranteeing them these gigantic, just ridiculous contracts. And these contracts had uh, stipulations in them that gave a lot of these wrestlers um, control over their the development of their character, which is a terrible thing to do when you're doing it for 80% of your roster. Because nobody wants to give up the belt. Nobody wants to put anybody else over. And then you combine that with, over time, it, it seemed like at one point, 1998, 1999, everybody was in the NWO. And then you had NWO red and black, and you had NWO white and black, and then you had the Latino world order, and you had all these different <laughs> groups. It's just, they, they had a great uh, like marketing ploy there with the NWO, and they just ran with it for far too long. Yeah, and I- then the, the championship belt lost its... Uh, you know, mystique. You know, when, when you have somebody, when you have Kevin Nash allowing Hulk Hogan to poke him in the chest and give up the championship, uh, that, that that writes off the everything that goes behind that belt. And then uh, you have an actor come in, David Arquette. When I mean that at that point, the WCW was already on the was getting ready to go bankrupt. Yeah, but, but they they just had terrible people in charge that ran that company into the ground. Yeah, they did everything right for about a year. They they actually were beating the WWF or WWE or whatever the hell it was called back then. They were right. actually, they were winning the the weekend the weekend wars. I remember that when uh, DX would go out with a tank outside of whatever arena or whatever the hell they were doing. Oh uh, yeah, Norfolk, Virginia. Yep. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever they were doing. That funny thing. And but uh, I never watched. Uh, I would flip back and forth. Like I started to get interested back and forth. But it was really uh, when they changed Hogan when he did that heel turn. That was probably one of the better uh, moments in wrestling uh, history. But uh, uh, one of the worst was probably when they tried to erase him from uh, just the when he was going through. I guess he was going through the Gawker stuff, and so they they just erased him oh, from the, right. Yeah, the the meme I'll never forget when Andre the Giant slammed himself in W or WrestleMania three, <laughs> and it's just a meme <laughs> of Andre the Giant upside down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they tried to write him off, and uh, you're, you're talking the most recent the uh, the sex tape thing, right? Yeah, he's back now, right? Yeah, they brought him back to uh, uh he when uh, what's his name? Mean Gene Okerlund, because he just recently passed away. So they brought Hogan back uh, to do a a little television segment. Okay. To honor him, so yeah, I mean, he won his lawsuit too, so he's definitely doing well in the the money department, and you know how it goes. You say something. Even in his scenario, where he's being filmed without his consent in private, I mean, I really don't care what anybody's saying in private to begin with, but yeah, you say those kind of things, you say your apologies, and pretty soon, enough time goes by, all is forgiven. Yeah, he convinced uh, he convinced the courts that uh, the persona, Hulk Hogan, is, that's how he won that case, uh, by the way, that he convinced the court that a persona, uh, like he's, he's a persona out in public and that he's... Terry uh, uh, Balea in private, and so like Hogan is this, and Balea is this, and like he was just convincing, right. yeah. So it was it was really weird how they played that uh, whole thing up. What was uh, what was your favorite match all time? Like going back to that point. 
Uh, I'd have to say, whew, man, there's been a, it's, it's been a while since there's been a good one recently, but I, I would go back to really any match between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. But uh, in particular, that first match they had at, uh, I'm drawing a blank on which WrestleMania it was. It was the 25th anniversary. Uh, I don't think it was 25, though. Uh, anyway, can't recall the year, but it was the, the first match between the two of them that was just unbelievable. And those two have always put on just fantastic shows. But it was one of those matches that you even, I go back and watch that match now, and that, you know, that was 10, 12 years ago that that match happened. I still get the, the goosebumps from the, the crowd's reactions to the bumps that these guys were taking. Um, the, the, the scare that The Undertaker actually had in real life where he tried to leap out of the ring and ended up crashing down on his neck. And it looks like he broke his neck, but he got up and continued the match. But there's just uh, those legends from that time, you know, whether it be like you brought up the Stone Cold Bret Hart match, uh, the Shawn Michaels Undertaker, you know, even the Mankind Undertaker match, uh, where Mankind gets thrown off the top of the steel cage. You just don't have matches like that anymore. You don't have characters like these guys' characters being built up to where there's an investment. And I think the internet has a lot to do with that, where uh, we as fans, we just know too much now. There's no surprise anymore. There's no surprise element to these stories. But yeah, definitely that that, that first match, even the second one with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, is I still get chills to this day watching it. Yeah, I never, uh, I don't recall, I guess I missed that uh, uh, part completely. I know they had a feud. I know they didn't like each other or whatever the case was. How do you feel about uh, them breaking his streak? Uh, I think it was Triple H took it from him or beat him at the very... Oh, uh, Brock Lesnar. Was it Lesnar? It was Lesnar, yeah. That uh, was... Uh, that makes it even worse. 30. That makes it even worse. Oh, it makes it... Yeah, 10 times. And that's a whole new, different subject with how they deal with Brock Lesnar and his contract. But uh, I didn't understand it. I mean, I you want him to lose at WrestleMania. I get it. You know, have the streak end. But to to a part-time wrestler who makes an appearance maybe you know six or seven times a year isn't good in the ring at all it's the same you know three move set he's going to suplex you a thousand times he's going to give you a couple f5s and then he's going to punch you and that's it yeah um so for him to lose for the streak to end the way it did and then to have it happen to brock lesnar i the only thing i can think is some kind of manipulation in the contract that uh, Brock Lesnar was able to get with Vince McMahon, you know, to, to keep him in WWE versus going back to UFC. The only thing I can think of, but then again, the undertaker had to have signed off on it as well uh, right. with the character control that he has. But he's a company, so. he's a company man till the day he dies. So he'll do, I think, uh, I Absolutely. think, I think the only time that he took, uh, when he, he was thinking of himself before, the company was when he was the American badass and not the Undertaker, and he drove around, and that just kind of flopped completely and did not like he he was irrelevant for that year or two that he decided to get on a Harley and ride around like a dipshit. Yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 was a a dark, well, no pun intended, dark time for the Undertaker's character. Yeah, no shit. Uh, injuries, like you brought up the fact that uh, Undertaker like messed his neck up. Uh, uh, how about when Owen Hart, Owen, uh, speaking of injuries, Owen Hart, but uh, 
Sorry, Owen. No. Too, too yeah. soon? Too soon? Uh, a lingering injury. <laughs> yeah, he still hasn't got up <laughs> off the turnbuckle of that one. But, uh, no, when he when he fucking spiked uh, Stone Cold and still, like, they still figured that out. They still t- carried that to whatever. What a fucking pro uh, Stone Cold yeah. is. Uh, and what a pro yeah, Owen Hart is. He's broken in his neck. Yeah, he fucking, he, he, dude, he dropped him on his goddamn head. Like, he fucked him up. Yeah. And uh, what a pro both of them are, though, to, like, for him to still, like, still fucking pin him or still, like, did him. And then t- for Owen to realize or recognize what he had done, and they still do that. In- insanity. It's just not, it's not the same thing anymore. Like, but. Uh, no, it's not. <sighs> and with those two especially, I mean, Owen Hart was uh, world-renowned as being a great technical wrestler, being very good at protecting the guys in the ring that he was wrestling with. It was just a freak accident, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you break two vertebrae in your neck, you still finish the match. And it's no coincidence that shortly thereafter, uh, WWE banned uh, that version of the pile driver. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because he definitely botched that. But uh, some would argue that Owen Hart can't take a fall. Just just saying. Oh, that was, mm, I set you up for that one. And then the, uh, the yeah, you mentioned the Mankind match where uh, I was, I literally was, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, they were reaching back, it was either like a 30 minute documentary on YouTube or, or it was on TV or whatever, but they had talked about right. uh, Mankind was going through and explaining uh, uh, the Hell in a Cell match where he gets thrown off the top. And I did not know that Undertaker's foot was broken. I did not know that uh, uh, Mankind, I, wh- who, what's his name in real life? Mick Foley. Oh, Mick Foley. Yeah, Mick Foley. I did not know that Mick Foley was afraid of heights. Uh, I did not know that uh, Vince McMahon was like, hey, like, I know what you guys are planning on doing. Have you practiced it? Have you looked at it? Have you this? And he's like, yeah, of course, Vince. I've done everything. And he'd never, the first time they climbed on that on the top of that cell, which was like a, basically a chicken wire fence, because now it's oh, all, absolutely. yeah, now it's all reinforced steel and none of the, none of the dramas there, whatever, and they were about to fall through. But when he threw him off, he broke his shoulder or like separated his shoulder or whatever, and then he didn't. Uh, and then he, when he, when Mick came up, uh, when Nick Foley got up the second time and climbed back up the, the ladder, which is crazy in and of itself, he actually didn't. What saved his life is that he did not. Uh, you know how when they do the choke slam, you grab them, you kind of grab the wrist, and then you like you bend down and try to like you jump up with the pro. So he tried to do that, but he slipped, and his one of his feet kicked up. Like, if you go back and look at it, one of his feet kicked up, and that let him fall straight back and actually, instead of him, like, over-rotating and, like, turning it into a, like, a like dropping into the water the wrong way, it actually made him fall right. the right way, knocked him out. And I forgot that they kept fucking fighting. Like, he, he fought for, like, five, ten more minutes after he got thrown off, thrown into the top, middle of the ring. And uh, they did tax and all this other weird shit. What a fucking insane they match! They did. That was a beautiful yeah, match he, for Hart, like whatever. I, I believe he ruptured his uh, his spleen as well on that fall through the table. Uh, just all kinds of fucked up. And then yeah, he, he pops the shoulder back in, climbs. It was actually at the when he gets choke slammed through the the opening there in the cage. The they were supposed to move the steel chair that was up there. And the Undertaker didn't move it out of the way. So the chair falls. If you go back and watch it, the chair falls with Mick Foley down to the mat. And the chair actually hits him in the face, knocking out a couple of his teeth. Yeah. 
and actually pushed one of his teeth through his lip. So the, the, the chair shot knocked him out. And it, there was a, something else with that too, with, with uh, when they were talking before the match, the Undertaker and Mick Foley, and even during the match up there, he, he asked them while they were at the top of that cage, he, he asked them again, like, are you sure you want me to do this? And Mick Foley told me, he said, yeah. And he, 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 Mick Foley was the ultimate stuntman. I mean, his body is paying for it now. Yeah. But the all, the ultimate stuntman of professional wrestling. Like and he, he just loved it. Yeah, like he's ever going to say no, though. Like, like he's not somebody that's going to say, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, just let's do something else. He's always going to say yes. If you could throw him off a 50-foot fucking cliff, he'd say, yeah, let's do it. I, I can figure that out. I would, I would yeah, think. and somehow survive. But him and Terry, yeah, here him and Terry Funk were uh, in all these hardcore crazy matches in Japan, all these matches in the, I guess, what was it, NWA or TWA or whenever they were regional, they were just, yep, just doing weird shit to each That's other. That's what they did. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, McFoley was, I guess, he was so disoriented when the, the paramedics were pulling the thumbtacks out of him and the Undertaker's back backstage. McFoley looked at the Undertaker and asked him if he's like, hey, did did we use the thumbtacks? Yeah, Undertaker's like, what the hell do you think we're pulling out of our backs right now? He didn't even <laughs> know that he'd been on the stretcher twice that night. He had forgot. Yeah, he had for- no idea. Yeah, yeah. Fucking maniac, dude. Uh, yeah, that match definitely took ten years off his life. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was good shit. How's Colorado, man? Uh, it, it was good. I'm down in uh, Pensacola now, so and I'm here for about nine months of school. Tell you about the humidity difference between, you know, I grew up down here in Florida, but when you leave for so long, go up to a place like Colorado, you forget just how just humid and nasty the air down here in the south is. Yeah, Florida in general is, uh, every week there's a, some dumbass news story about Florida, Floridians, but apparently it's the place to go for retirement. It's the number one state uh, for military when they get out of the, uh, get out of the joint uh, or the, you know, when we do our time, our 20. It's the apparently it's the number one state. Texas, oh, yeah. Texas is number eight for some reason. But uh, is that where you're headed when you're done doing your twenty? Um, that's a good question. I, I can't see myself coming back down here and just dealing with these summers every summer. Ah. Uh, I, I could see going back to Texas though. I like the little bit of time that I spent there. But uh, I know the. I'm surprised Texas is eight. I know they have the. They have some kind of. You know that they work with scholarship programs with veterans. Yeah. I you, guess apparently you go to school for free in the state. Yep. Uh, I, I could go to school for free, and I think my kids can go to school for free in Texas. But you got to be a resident of Texas cool. to do that. So. Um, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, for, for some reason it's high on a couple of them, and then uh, one of them it's like 40th. I'm not sure what the what the other avenue is that makes it 40th, but uh, of the three metrics that they do for retirees, it's really good on two and then really bad on one, but I forget the the other one. So, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I'll go to any state that's got no state tax. So yeah. That'll be a, a nice break as well. You goddamn right. Uh, how's the uh, <laughs> how's the lifting going? How's the what now? How's the lifting going? No, it's going good. Uh, got back into it about uh, well, it was about a year and a half ago. But then, as you can probably attest, uh, promotion. Cheap season kind of screwed all that <laughs> well, up for fucks, a while. It fucks everything up, dude. You ain't doing shit for oh, six weeks. Oh, man. It was horrible. So I got back into it right after that, um, closing in on my bench press again about 4.05. So 
Yeah. Sitting at about 395. It's that last 10 pounds that's killing me, but just trying to use it up while I can. Just turned 30 last year, so. What is that? Yep. I think TRT is the way to go, man. Just inject straight to the juggler van and you'll be good to go. But I was, I was, oh, ha- absolutely. I was happy when I got uh, two plates, but uh, I need to look in that TRT shit uh, and start that whole process and, and plan and whatever. But uh, no, it's good. Dude, uh, yeah, it's legitimate. I mean, anything that Barry Bonds did, I'm I'm open to do. That yeah. seeing as how his career really took off after the age of 36. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, it uh, really really did take off. The Hall of Fame would disagree, but uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, baseball era or, or whatever. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame 100. Uh, percent That there's no reason to leave him out because that's what was going on. Baseball profited off of it. Uh, so McGuire, Sosa, and uh, maybe not Sosa much. Sosa so much. But McGuire, Sosa, and Bond should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I, I agree 100%. I, 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 think, I think you'll see McGuire get in before you see Bond get in, and it has nothing to do with Rivers. I think it has everything to do with McGuire finally admitted to it. So he took his lumps. You know, he took his public lumps of, hey, I did it. This is why I did it. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody got over it. The but, thing with Barry Bonds is he, he's always carried himself with that arrogance and everyone knows that he was using it, apparently except him. I mean, his, his hat size or his head size grew, you know, after the age of 36. Apparently his shoe size went up a size as well. And you, you can see, the, I know you've seen it, the before and after pictures, you know, you, yeah, he's, he was years he, ago. he was small and then it was fucking huge. But Peyton Manning is another guy you could look at and say, that motherfucker's using and he, he extended his career one or two years. He had a his neck was severed or broken or whatever it was, and then he got another year right. out of his career. Um, so it, but a totally different sport. But I, I I don't even care if that he used or didn't he didn't come kiss the rings of the baseball commissioners or whatever. That was part of the sport. Everybody was watching baseball in the mid '90s because of those three guys. Like oh, the white yeah white ball era that absolutely yeah that's that's, that's the only reason to watch. That's the only reason why people watched. So, huh. and, and here's the other thing on that too. I I guarantee you, and and the baseball writers of America, they can say whatever they want with how their selection process goes. Somebody in the Hall of Fame right now was using steroids, yeah, or was using some kind of performance enhancement drug. So you can't sit here and guarantee me right now that nobody in the Hall of Fame ever, you know, everybody in there is clean and they never used anything. Or to go, or to go back around, or to go back around when there was segregation in the early '60s or early whatevers. You got a bunch of, you got a bunch of people in the Hall of Fame prior to 1960 that weren't playing against the best competition, and that was just part of the era. Like they're not going to go back and rehash that whole thing, right? Or that whole shit Absolutely. either. So, it's right. uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Yeah, I, I think enough time's going to go by. We'll start seeing these guys get in, but in the meantime, yeah, the, the baseball writers of America got to get off their high ass horse. Yeah, and then and then to go full round turn, you said the elimination chamber was a was a, was a five star match. I would disagree with you, sir. I thought it was a four star match, and I'll tell you why. Uh, when they got down to Kofi Kingston and uh, Daniel Bryan, and maybe before I before I finish off with the why I thought it was a four star match, why is he called no Daniel Bryan or the new Daniel Bryan? Like I thought he was a when I, last time I saw him, everybody was chanting yes, yes, yes when he would kick somebody or punch somebody in the face, and now they chant no, 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 no. Why? So they finally decided to heel turn him. Yeah, yeah, they turned him heel, but what happened? Can you can you explain to me what happened? Yeah, yeah. So long story short, you know, he he came back. He, he was officially retired 
medically retired because of all the concussions that he had sustained over the years. And he finally got uh, the WWE's doctor to clear him after a lot of the lawsuits had since passed. So they brought him back in. And this was just recently, I think up until about September, October, he was still, you know, yes, 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 good guy, Daniel Bryan. And then I don't know if, I guess the theory behind it is, you know, Vince McMahon didn't want that that whole stick of Daniel Bryan to go stale. So he, he turned him heel uh, to, to try to see what kind of heat, what kind of momentum his character could get. And I guess in a sense, make him more believable as a character. Cause uh, you probably saw it last night. He came out with that huge giant country white dude, Eric Rowan. Yeah. Who's that guy? Uh, out, out, out to the ring. So that guy used to be a part of a, another faction called the Wyatt family. Oh, okay. I remember in the last couple of years. Yeah. So he, having him come out, it makes it a little bit more believable to have this super tiny, you know, five foot eight, a buck 70 Daniel Bryan, you know, wrestle some of these colossals that you have in the ring. It makes it a little bit more believable now because he, now he's a heel. So he's not going to play by the rules. Now he's got this huge giant guy, country fuck to, to back him up and to help him win matches. Yeah. What happened? What happened, to, I, the, what happened to the spider guy? What happened to the guy that uh, walks backwards like a spider? Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, Finn Balor. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know who the guy is, but he was the he was the main guy of the Wyatt family, and he he actually got some uh, people were tracking Brian him. Wyatt. Yeah, there you go. So he's uh, I don't know if it's just a leave of absence or an injury he's recovering from, but he's been out of action here for about eight nine months. Uh, all right. Yeah, but he's supposed to be. Apparently, he, they're going to bring him back with a new character and. Well, I guess we'll see how that goes. But to, all right, you say five star, or you say it was a four star match? Yeah. You, okay. So I, I go ahead. So I would agree with you that the entire, if we're talking all the participants, I would call it a four star match, just because there were some inconsistencies, and then the Samoa Joe elimination that early just didn't make sense to me. But the what I say the where it became a five star match is purely the Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan um, that from that point on when it was just the two of them that were remaining. So the reason why it's just them two remaining, so I would agree that it, w it was at a five-star level, and if they would have, so when they climbed up to the top of the little, uh, when they climbed up to the top of the little chamber portion, if they would have superplexed off of that and, and as the finish, like going back and forth, when they neglected to do that, when... Uh, Kofi Kingston was hitting him, and they and they switched over, and then Daniel Bryan was hitting him and getting ready to superplex him. If they would have pulled off a superplex and would have finished it that way, where Bryan superplexes Kingston off and then, and then finishes him off, that would have been a five star finish to that match. But they 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 chickened out, they 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 cowered down and they crawled back down, and then Daniel Bryan uh, does a little super knee thing and and beats him at the end. So it was kind of there was. I guess they had, what, 10 minutes together in the ring? And for about eight minutes, it was going back and forth. We're like, oh, Kingston could probably win this. And they actually try to, they actually kind of convince you that Kingston might win. But then when they crawl yeah, down, yeah, when they when they crawl down from the from the thing, you're just like, oh, this fucking, this is back to the 2010, 2020, or 2019 fucking wrestling. Like, they had a chance to, like, to, to really put Brian over or really put Kingston over with a superplex off the top of that. Yes, it would have been a dangerous stunt, but they could have, they 100, 1,000% could have practiced that with a, with mats or whatever and just taken the bump at the end of that and just done it. Like, uh, 
they they could have done it, but they missed. I think they missed a real opportunity with doing a superplex off the top of that little uh, uh, black thing in the middle of the ring and then pinning the dude and then calling it a day. Because that would have been a good fall for Kingston because there's no shame in doing that. Because, uh, like, you understand he's not going to get out of that. And then if uh, uh, Kingston would have superplexed Brian off, that's a moment for him to carry for two months until he fights whoever it is in WrestleMania. So. Yeah, and I think the writers were... I think they well they put Kofi Kingston in that position to be the last participant with Daniel Bryan. So he was actually replacing uh, Mustafa Ali, who was supposed to be in that same position. It was supposed to come down to Daniel Bryan and Mustafa Ali, uh, but Mustafa Ali, who's a young up and coming, probably the next superstar um, of the WWE, great in the ring. Anyways, he he just sustained an injury uh, a couple weeks back. They don't know if he's going to be ready for WrestleMania, so. Yeah, never heard of him. Kofi Kingston became the, yeah, he's fairly new um, out of the the developmental league, NXT. You've probably heard NXT. Yeah, that, uh, it's triple, yeah, it's Triple H's brainchild. So th- this kid has all, all the tool set. You know, he, he's really catching fire as far as being the next guy in the WWE, you know, with the likes of Roman Reigns or John Cena, those guys, that level. But they had to replace him. And I, Kofi Kingston was the last minute you know, Mustafa leaves a scratch with Kofi Kingston into this match. And then I think it became a, well, let's test the waters here with the audience or with the crowd. And let's see how much, you know, is Kofi Kingston still relevant? And how much momentum can we get for him into this match? So him, I'm not really disappointed in him losing the match if they build on from here and they build his character to go head-to-head with Daniel Bryan at a WrestleMania. If they do that, this whole thing makes sense. If they don't do that, then it's a it's just another example over the last well, since WWE's existence of letting these characters, especially the African American characters, get just close enough, you know, just get a sniff of um, the WWE championship or being in that spot and then you watch Monday Night Raw or SmackDown the next day and these guys are back on the mid card. Yeah, so, it, would, it would be a real missed opportunity. It, yeah, it would be a real missed opportunity if they don't bump him up to... But like I said, if they would have superplexed him off that stupid... Uh, that chamber, that would have been the that would have been a good finish to the match, not that stupid climb back down. They lost me at the end of that uh, when that occurred. Thanks for uh, thanks for nerding out with me for about 45 minutes about this. I, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, so. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, uh, listen to it. Uh, when it comes back around... Uh, maybe we can do something worse than this podcast. I I like this one because this one was focused on a specific topic, uh, and I and when I saw that match, I had nobody no no better person to talk to, and I uh, I think that uh, that hunch was well founded because you're well versed in knowledge, like being a, a geek or a fanboy when it comes to wrestling. So and I and uh, I appreciate your uh, talk about it because I was definitely uh, high school and early college days. I was I was wrapped up in it, man. It was it was. Wrestling was the shit in the Attitude Era. Oh, it was life back then, absolutely. Yeah, so thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, tell tell your family I said hi, and I will do the same for uh, mine. And uh, thank you very much, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Awesome, brother. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Uh, easy day, and I will uh, I will uh, I'll hit you up later. All right, brother. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, man. Bye. So once again, I'd like to thank Jeremy for doing this conversation. And here are the two segments that I, after I watched the Elimination Chamber match, spurred on the uh, reach out to Jeremy and the conversation. 
So these were the thoughts I had after I watched the match. Uh, enjoy. So I just got through watching the Elimination Chamber on AFN, and it was actually the first time I've been enthralled or like absorbed into a matchup in quite some time. Uh, they 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 really uh, they did they did a great job. Hats off to Vince McMahon for rolling me in. That's the only uh, the main event. Uh, Daniel Bryan, WWE Champion. Apparently he's a heel now. Last time I checked in about 18 months ago. He was, everybody was like shouting yes, yes, yes. Uh, now they all shout no, no, no. So congrats to them. But uh, so the match was Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, uh, Matt Hardy, which I thought was died in a fucking drug overdose. And then uh, Randy Orton and Coffee Kingston. So I knew, I knew AJ Styles and Matt Hardy from the, uh, some other wrestling organization that was like they just do stunts all the time. Coffee Kingston's been a mainstay as far as uh, has just been an ancillary character, intercontinental champion, or whatever he's been. Randy Orton, I don't know what he did to piss uh, the upper management off, but he's always a guy that is just trying to uh, sell people or other people. And then Daniel Bryan's the obvious champion. So I was sitting there watching the match, and uh, the initial thoughts are, okay, Daniel Bryan's got to win it, of course. So Samoa Joe is the first one eliminated after uh, Kofi Kingston was the number three guy that jumped in, and they were fighting and fighting and fighting. AJ Styles comes in as number four, and they keep fighting, and blah, 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 blah. And then uh, Matt Hardy comes in. He does short, He gets short work. He beats everybody up, and as they always do in the Elimination Chamber, if you want to watch the best one, it's the one with Goldberg, where Goldberg just destroys everyone. That's the best one to watch. But then uh, Randy Orton comes in, and you think it's going to go Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan's going to beat Randy Orton, and that's the story they play. Or that's the expected story that you're going to see. Well, nice little twist by Vince. Uh, no. So uh, AJ Styles, or Samoa Joe's already been eliminated, so that's five people. Matt Hardy, I didn't, I, I actually missed his elimination. Uh, AJ Styles gets eliminated, and then uh, Kofi Kingston eliminates uh, Daniel Bryan. Or, sorry, Kofi Kingston eliminates uh, Randy Orton. Okay, all right, sweet. So Vince is playing up the uh, black versus white. So that brings up the, how many, I don't remember a black WWE champion ever. I, I don't remember that. Like, I've, I can't recall. So they were playing it back and forth, and I think the WWE, WWE missed a big opportunity. They could have crowned uh, Kofi Kingston a champion and punted it back to whoever during WrestleMania. But uh, it was a good match, back and forth, and then uh, uh, like the last five minutes was kind of suspect because they climbed up on one of the pods, and uh, they should have a superplex would have been the end or should have been the be all end all. They should have taken that risk or that stunt, but they didn't do it. So it is what it is. But uh, Daniel Bryan ends up keeping the title, and so I looked up. When was the last time, or when has there ever been a black WWE champion? And the one they want to point to is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And last time I checked, he was Samoan. So, uh, but somebody uh, succinctly put it down. And kind of condensed uh, what it was, and then uh, uh, so here it was. There have been black, there have been black WWE champions. Dwayne the Johnson, aka The Rock, is a ten-time champion. Booker T and Mark Henry were also one-time champions, but every time the issue is brought up, there are some fans that disagree with the definitions of black or WWE champion. 
there seems to be a debate upon, among some fans on whether The Rock is really black. Uh, these fans claim that The Rock doesn't count as a black WWE champion because he's not 100% black. Well, alright. Well, you could not You could make that argument as Kofi Kingston because he's Jamaican, and some people would say that Kofi Kingston, because he's Jamaican, he's not black as well. But uh, The Rock, identif- he's Samoan. His, like That's the lineage he played. I watched him intently when back in the Attitude Era. So The Rock is a Samoan. So I don't think you can classify The Rock as a black WWE champion. He has uh, African-American lineage, obviously, because his father is black, but... Uh, he's not, no, like, so there hasn't been a, like, Mark Henry and Booker T are the two that they reference, but Mark Henry and Booker T are champions of, uh, like when Raw and, uh, SmackDown split, so you had the World Heavyweight Champ, you had, you had dual titles, so it kind of really doesn't, I mean, yes and no, but they missed a real opportunity here to have Kofi Kingston as the champion, and then even, uh, there's another guy that was fighting uh, the big white dude, uh, uh, Braun Strowman. Let me catch his name real quick. Bobby Lashley. Like, that That guy could probably make a run at the title, I would think. But for some reason, he's still stuck at middle feuds with other people and so on and so forth. So the, the article continues that The Rock has a black father and a Samoan mother. The Rock is just as much as black as he is Samoan. He's just as much black as Barack Obama, the first U.S. president. Rock is a proud of his heritage and embraces both of his parents' ancestries. WWE recognizes Rock every Black History Month as a black champion. The other issue is regarding the World Heavyweight Championship title, which Booker T. and Mark Henry held. The World Heavyweight Championship was established in 2002 after Raw and SmackDown split into two separate brands. At the time, Brock Lesnar was a WWE champion and signed to SmackDown. The World Heavyweight Championship was created so that Raw could have its own championship. In 2013, it was unified with the WWE Championship. So from 2002 to 2013, WWE had two top championships. Booker won the World Heavyweight in 2006 and Mark Henry won it in 2011. Some fans say that the World Heavyweight Championship doesn't count because although it was a WWE Championship, it's not the WWE Championship and did not carry the same lineage, but it was established as one of the two top WWE Championships, and since the championships were unified, technically they share the same lineage. Even though there has been black WWE Championships, it's my personal opinion that there have not been enough, only three in over 50 years, uh, The Rock, uh, Ron Simmons, WCW Champion, First Black Wrestling Championship ever, and then Tony Atlas, Bad News Brown, and Junkyard Dog were extremely popular wrestlers who should have been WWE champions. An unfortunate combination of racism, politics, and personal problems prevented them from winning the title, but hopefully there will be more black WWE champions. I think that uh, puts it pretty succinctly as far as... uh, For some reason, that was a thought that was going through my head when those two guys were fighting, and it was a great opportunity for the WWE to crown Kofi Kingston to be, to be the champion. But Bobby Lashley's like the next one on the list as far as like, hey, like here's a here's a prominent guy, a guy that probably could tow the road for the company for quite a while. There's a there's a dude I have in mind right now to to like clarify these statements and clarify this conversation because he follows it. I've I've been out since the nineties. I didn't even know Brian Hill Brian uh whatever the fuck his name is now. Uh, the yes, yes, yes guy. I didn't know, know, didn't even know he was a heel. So apparently he's a heel now. Uh, so and and uh, Brian Daniels, 
uh, beat Kofi Kingston to retain the WWE title and move on to Fastlane, which used to be King of the Ring, which was, besides the Royal Rumble, was one of my favorite, uh, uh, back in the day, favorite uh, wrestling pastimes. All right, hopefully I've lost everyone, and uh, enjoy. <laughs>